It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. The host, though, not Jonathan Peterlin for the second straight night. Spencer German with you. I'm here tonight. I'm here Thursday again. I'm here Friday again. We'll do Hot Take Friday. It's going to be a fun week. Um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. But we have five hours to get through tonight. And we got a lot of different things to get to. From people cutting donuts in half uh, to why Valentine's Day is the worst holiday on the calendar. We'll talk about that. And I'm actually glad that Mackenzie is here for that segment because when we get to it, because I would like a female perspective on this. I have been bringing this up on the air uh, from my early radio days where I had a microphone that maybe 40 people were listening to, to now here at 92 through the fan where I hopefully have a lot more people listening. And I, I, I want to continue to set the record straight on this being what tomorrow is the worst holiday on the calendar. So we'll get to all that. We got a couple guests lined up. In an hour from now, we'll talk to Evan Damerell of Locked on Cavs, which is where we're going to start first. We also have Nick Shook, NFL.com, set to join us later to reflect on the Super Bowl, talk about some of the offseason decisions that await the Browns, and much, much more. But in the meantime, guys, because, listen, as, the, as, as we turn the page of the 2023 season, basketball takes center stage. Maybe for some of us it's already been center stage. But it becomes clearly in focus now. And I understand that there is a specific just narrative about the Cavs based off of last year's playoff results and based off of the idea that nothing else matters except the playoffs and that everybody's going to be judged based on that. And that is true. I've said it. Others have said it. J.B. Bickerstaff, his job feels very much dependent on what happens come April. If the Cavs get bounced in the first round again, he's going to probably be looking for another job. There was a report from uh, Brian Windhorst this week that when they were 13-12 and on the season, he said this on his podcast, I believe, there there was a consideration that they would move on from J.B. Bickerstaff if, if he hadn't turned things around, then they turned things around during that stretch where Mobley and obviously Garland were injured and out. So his job pretty much hinges on the playoffs. How Donovan Mitchell continues to be viewed as a star player in this league, because right now the narrative about him is, well, he can't get out of the first round. He's just a, similar to how Kyle Shanahan right now is viewed as the guy that can't win the big one, Donovan Mitchell is viewed as the guy who, he's good, he'll get you to the playoffs, but he ain't going to make it to a conference championship game. Second round is the farthest he's ever been. And that's all you'll ever get from Donovan Mitchell. So he's got a legacy sort of narrative to, to answer. The Cavs as a team have an, a narrative to answer about their physicality and their toughness and if they can win at that time of year. All of those things can be true. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have this team pegged and we have them all figured out. I think there are still, those are all valid questions that that remain to be answered come April, come May, potentially, if they make it that far. And and they're going to have to answer to those. They're the only ones who can answer to those things. But that doesn't mean that we we have it all figured out with this team. We think we know what to expect from them. We think that we know they're not physical enough. We think we know they're just going to get pushed around again and that they're going to wilt under the lights and the pressure of the postseason, just like last year when Jared Allen basically admitted that's what happened. But we don't. 
because in a regular season where you sometimes you, you take everything with a grain of salt or we've been jaded enough over the years to take everything with a grain of salt, and I think we kind of have LeBron to blame for that because in the championship years, how often was it a conversation on this station? 216-474-0192, even though that wasn't the number back then. Are the Cavaliers going to flip the switch or have they flipped the switch? How many times was that a topic that we did? We exhausted that topic on the station year after year after year talking about it because LeBron kind of proved with those teams that, okay, if even if a team coasts through the regular season, when they get to the playoffs, guess what? They'll turn it on. They'll be one of the best teams on the court every single night, and there's a chance that they can win a championship. So in many ways, LeBron's kind of ruined the idea of the regular season for people, and it's unfortunate it's, it's ruined it for us in many ways because we now sit here jaded by the idea that, well, all those years that, you know, all those years that they were chasing titles with LeBron, you know, they didn't have to care about the regular season. And so I think we feel the same way now where it's, well, the regular season doesn't matter anyway. They actually have to show up in the playoffs and do it. And, and, and admittedly, the playoffs are different. It's a different stage. You are getting a team for seven straight games where you're going in and game planning for that team. It's not like the regular season where the game is, the plan is kind of, we have an identity, we're going to do these things, they're going to try to stop it, but you're not dissecting the X's and O's the same way you do in a seven-game series where you make adjustments and you try to exploit certain things. So, the playoffs are a different beast, yes, admittedly. And even though we're going to judge them based on what they do then and not right now, more so than ever, anything. I think the reason why this regular season matters, and I think the reason why they, as a team, have earned the right to sort of prove us otherwise and have some trust from us as they get ready for that 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 stage and they get ready for the playoffs and they 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 keep continue to progress towards that is because this team has made actual, critical, tangible change that we can see in front of our eyes, whether it's the style that they're playing with, whether it's Evan Mobley trying to shoot threes. It's things that they're doing that we are seeing play out in front of us where we have to basically admit, yeah, this is a different team. They also have some new parts and pieces here. Max Struess, George Niang, uh, Sam Merrill's emerged this year as a player. It's not Jetty Osman coming in and giving you 30 points one night and eight points another. It is a different-looking team that has a, a lot more depth to it and has shown so far that they are a different group than they were a year ago. I think in the NBA a lot of times, and this is why you see these teams, these, these juggernaut teams a lot of times break up, is because it gets stale and it, it just becomes time for change. I think sometimes superstars grow tired of each other. Look at Ken, uh, look at Kevin Durant leaving OKC. Look at Kevin Durant losing, leaving uh, Golden State. It's the same exact thing. These superstars, they get kind of tired of each other. They try a bunch of times. It either does work for a period of time and then falls to the wayside, or it doesn't work, and you got to change things up. We're in year two of this experiment with a team that looks – I would say, uh, other than, yeah, the fact that the starting five is the same, they look very different from a personnel standpoint, 
but they also look very different from just a playing style standpoint, which was the goal of this season, was to play with a different pace, play with a different sort of mentality offensively, where it wasn't just pick and roll to everybody to death and, and have two seven-footers down in the paint. Let's spread the floor, find some passing lanes, kick out, hit threes, and they've they've done that this year. We have seen that on full display. So I think they deserve on some level the benefit of the doubt that when we go into the playoffs this year, not that it's a clean slate because we're not going to be able to erase what happened last year from our memory, and it is a lot of the same players who are trying to go through this experience and get those playoff scars, if you will, together. So it's not just, yeah, clean slate, we forgive and we forget. No, it's going to be something that's in the back of our mind that we recognize and that they have to still shake. But I think they at least deserve the benefit of the doubt from a standpoint of, yeah, they can go out and they can sort of rewrite those wrongs, and I'm going to give them the opportunity to to do that. I'm not just going to walk into the playoffs and assume anything about this team because they're different this year. Unlike those teams I mentioned where it gets stale and tired and and, and old and it just isn't working, this team took steps or at least attempted – at trying to plug in some different pieces and try some different things, and I can commend them for that. It wasn't just, let's run it back because we're a young team. And that's the thing. A couple years ago, we were all ripping Kobe Altman for just coming out at his end-of-season press conference and saying, well, we're young and we're just going to keep growing. And my point always is with sports, it's never as linear as you think. It's never this steady progression of, oh, well, it's a young team. This year they were a playing team, so next year, yeah, they're guaranteed to win a first-round game. And then the year after that, they're guaranteed to, oh, they're going to make the Eastern Garbage Finals. No, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you do take steps backwards. You always have to be thinking about change. And I think in basketball, especially when it's a smaller group of guys and you got to keep morale high and you got to change some tactics, to just coaching wise, different from year to year and try some different things and different leadership styles and all that, it's not so clear cut year to year to year. Kevin Stefanski talked about that the other day, keeping the message sort of fresh every single season so it doesn't get old inside the locker room. When he was on with Ken and I, it's the same sort of thing. And so, unlike previous iterations of the Cavs, who were cap-strapped and couldn't do anything because they were in the luxury tax and they didn't have a lot of levers to pull, and like they went out and they made some moves. They added some players that fit roles that they needed to fill. And on top of that, they also changed up the way in which they're playing basketball. It worked to perfection. It was a beautiful thing when Garland and Mobley were out. Now they're reintegrating those guys back into it. And it seems like they're sort of taking to it and, and fitting nicely to, to uh, at least so far. More to be seen there. And there's a stretch of regular season left that we're going to kind of see it play out, which is another reason why this stretch matters. We, we look for reasons why the regular season matters and, this, and, and not just write it off as, well, it doesn't mean anything. That's why. Because we got to see how this thing continues to look with Moby back in the fold, with Garland back in the fold, as they attempt to integrate those guys and keep making progress towards the end goal, which is make a deep playoff run with this new style and these new players and, and just everything that they're doing. And as they do that, I'm going to go into the, the, the playoffs with a fresh perspective on, okay, last year was last year. Yes, they have to shake that 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 uh, identity off of them, that that um, reputation off of them that they now have, but because the team's different, because the team has a different sort of playing style, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can accomplish that. 
and not just go in completely jaded. And if you don't, what's the point of even being a fan? If you're just going to go in and assume, well, they're doomed, what's the point of being a fan? I think it gives us something to look forward to, and I, 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 I commend them for not just staying status quo and trying something different and trying to grow and build this thing towards being a better team after they got pushed around a season ago. We'll see if Max Struess's heat culture wears uh, wears off on them or rubs off on them. We'll see if different uh, guys who have playoff experience coming in like Niang, like Struess, if they are able to bring something to the table at that time of year. We'll see if Donovan Mitchell plays differently and steps his game up, knowing that he's kind of framed in this certain light as well at that time of year. But I'm going to go in with a fresh perspective and believe that they can get it done because it's not just they them running it back with the exact same team from a year ago and wondering, well, can they actually, can a team that's not very tough get tougher? 216-474-0092. Do the Cavs have your trust? Where are you at in terms of believing that this regular season matters in terms of what they're showing us as we get closer to the playoffs when we know it really matters most? And along those lines, guys, I think that's why I'm not sweating that loss last night. We'll talk about it more on the other side. We'll get to your calls, your tweets, and much, much more. Spencer German with you on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on The Fan. Welcome back in. We got Evan Damarell set to join us 8 p.m. We've got Nick Shook joining us at 10 p.m. He's back from Vegas. I was texting him yesterday during the show to nail down a time, and he was still flying back from Chicago. So I hope he had a nice time. Uh, we got Michael Boehm on the board. We got Mackenzie Flume on the updates. Boehm, I'm going to have Boehm come in at some point because I am going to talk some college football later. And anytime we talk college football, anytime we talk Ohio State, I always like getting Boehm's perspective. I love sending, like, I'll send Boehm stuff on Twitter sometimes. It's about Ohio State. Um, and we kind of, like, jump in with some thoughts on it. It's how, we, it's how we stay connected outside of the station because I feel like we don't get a chance to work together as much as we used to. So... Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get Boehm looped in. We'll do some other fun stuff. We're going to go off the beaten path. We're going to have some fun with it. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm thankful to have those of you jumping on in with us at 216-474-0092 or on Twitter at Spencito underscore in for JP tonight. If you're missing JP this week, he's not sick. He's not out because of anything. He's just doing the mo- the morning show. So if you really miss JP, you just got to wake up earlier and you got to catch him starting at six with Ken uh, the next two days. I don't think he's in on Friday, but the next two days. So there you go. Again, 216-474-2092. We're talking Cavs. And I, I, like, I heard Nick's conversation about the Cavs earlier today. And I can understand where he's coming from. Where it's like, last night's loss on a, in a normal season feels unforgivable where it's like, oh, you lost to a team that you should be, you're better than, they were missing their star player. How the hell do you lose that game? But I'm looking at this big picture, and I'm seeing a team that had won 17 of the last 18 games um, going into last night. I'm seeing a team that is trying out this new identity, and it seems to be working very well for them. I'm seeing a team that has new players sort of involved here and in the mix here. And I, I'm trying my best to believe that this all means something. And I think it does because, like I said, they didn't just stay stagnant. They didn't just stay the same in the offseason and run it back with the same group and say, well, let's try the same exact thing and expect different results, the definition, Einstein's definition of insanity, right? They 
have a different feel about them. They have a different look to them. And I'm willing to see this thing through towards May. And I and and I and that's part of the reason why I'm not sitting here freaking out about last night. Because listen, it could be a sign that maybe there's still some some issues with this group and that when they're on the big stage, they're gonna they're gonna wilt. But it also could just be a sign that, okay, this is the NBA, and sometimes you lose. Sometimes you have an off night. Cavs didn't have last night their their best night shooting. They'd been, I mean, they've been so good from three of late. And instead, last night, they 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 weren't quite as efficient from outside the arc. So there's some there's some signs here of a team that, okay, they they've been on this win streak. They've been playing really good basketball. They shot 35% from three yesterday. Like, they've been playing a lot. They've been shooting a lot better than that for most of the season and most of the stretch that we're talking about. And so I think on any given night, I can expect that that's going to be the case. They just had an off night. That happens. In the same way that the Browns' playoff loss was them playing their worst game at the worst possible time. Because even if they lose that game, by the way, like, that was not the Browns all season. They were getting blown out by teams, really. So it's the same sort of thing applies. So I'm not sitting here, even though maybe past seasons I would have, saying I expect more, I expect better. They just lost one. They've been playing really good basketball, and I get you can look at the at the uh, the schedule and say, well, who have they been playing? And that's a perfectly valid argument. My, my response to that is we're going to learn a lot about this team in the month of March because they play games against the Knicks, the Celtics, the T-Wolves, the Suns, the uh, Heat, the Pacers, the Timberwolves again, the Heat again. Like they're playing some of these better teams early and into late March. And that's why as we as we try to get some perspective on the regular season and what it means, this new look and this new style that they're playing with, that's where it really gets put to the test. So this period of time now up to the early stages of March after the All-Star break is going to be about Continuing to get Mobley and Garland acclimated to what they're trying to do stylistically, having them having them space the floor and having Mobley take some more threes and try to iron out the kinks from from the on the arc there. If he can do that, then you're really hitting the ground running against some of these better teams that you see in March. And again, I think that's why the regular season matters. I think this stretch of the regular season coming up is going to matter immensely for those reasons. And I also think just because they're a different team, we can we can go into it with a little bit of a fresh perspective than just having the jaded take that, well, we all know how this is going to go. We'll see. They it, it feels like and it looks like they have made the right changes from a just mentality standpoint. They showed the other night that they can be tough, but they did the same thing in February last year. Are they going to do it on the floor against a team like the Knicks? Again, we'll see. And that's the other reason why I'm not so worried about last night and using it as some barometer for what this team is and where the season's going to go. Because, guys, I'm kind of going into this playoffs, and I don't know if maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't have this perspective because there is the fear of there is the realistic fear of losing Donovan Mitchell here as well. But I'm going into the playoffs with this kind of this perspective of listen if. They lose, then what we know about them is true, and we kind of have some answers that to the questions that we had, so they're going to have to make some adjustments. If they go into the playoffs and they win, 
then we can say, okay, this team learned from last year. They used that experience to their advantage, and we can feel good about things. J.B. Bickerstaff, same thing applies. We'll get answers on whether or not he's the coach or not moving forward with this team based on the postseason. It's almost like uh, all bets, not, not all bets are off, but it's like it's, I don't even want to say you're playing with house money because it, it does feel like there's a ticking clock on this thing because you're trying to convince Donovan Mitchell to stay. But from a fan perspective, the questions that we have, the, the jadedness that we have about this team, a lot of that could get resolved or is going to get resolved, yes, in April and May. If they get bounced in the first round again, we have our answers to those questions. We know what they have to do in the offseason to take real strides towards being a true championship contender. If they lose or if they win, then we can look back on the season and feel pretty damn good about the changes that they made, about the the mentality and the style that they're playing with, and where they kind of go from here, sky's kind of the limit after that. So no matter what, I feel like the pressure's off from a fan standpoint. We can just sit back and enjoy basketball. They get to go out and do it. And I think to this point, they deserve a little more latitude than maybe we've given them to this point or a little more trust that we've given them to this point. Let's go to the phones. you got Malik in Parma. You're first in the fan tonight. What's up, Malik? How are we doing, my friend? I think you're making a lot of good points. I wanted to talk about Valentine's Day, but I'd first like to pivot to the Cavs. And, and respond to some of the comments you've made. Yeah, that's cool. You can. I mean, listen, I, I'm going to end up getting to Valentine's Day later in the show, but while I have you on here, you can jump in with that here. But what was your? if you want to give me your Cavs thought, thought first, that's fine. Listen, here's the thing about the Cleveland Cavaliers. We were not firing on all cylinders yesterday, okay? We've been playing complete games over the last 16, 17. Yesterday was not a complete game. Uh, the 76ers had... They played a complete game, and it was personified by some big shots that they hit. You saw Kelly Oubre. He steps into a long-range three, two seconds into the uh, uh, shot clock, and nails the three, right? That's just a personification of how well they were shooting. But we had two broken gaskets yesterday, one by the name of Karis LeVert, 0 for 5 uh, 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 from three, 5 for 14 from field goal range, and then another giant looming uh, broken piston, in the 250-pound behemoth, uh, Georgia Sneang. Uh, and so when, when those guys come in and they're not shooting well, we're off of our mojo. But what's nice to see, Darius Garland fitting into his role. I know there's some tension, okay, maybe some Valentine's Day tension or otherwise. How does he fit in? How does he not fit in? But listen, my heart sticks with Donovan Mitchell. Oh, this guy. He has my heart, and he's my Valentine's Day through and through. So I think we're going to hold on to him. I think he's got a soft spot for Cleveland, okay? We're giving him his flowers. We give him some chocolates at the end of his extension, and uh, he's staying with the Cavs. You think he's, you, so you think Donovan Mitchell's sticking around? I think so. I mean, look at the talent. The biggest enemy to Cleveland is Cleveland, okay? Yeah, that's, I yeah. don't think that there's another you know what, team I'm going to steal that take from you. I'm going to steal that take from you because they really are their biggest, their, their biggest threat at this point. Like, they should, given how they're playing right now, it seems like they can compete with most teams in this league. Yeah, there's probably some teams that are better than them. Boston, uh, I think they could probably hang with the Bucks. They're still sort of sorting some things out themselves. Um, in the Western Conference, you know, a team like like the Suns that's absolutely loaded would give them trouble. There's probably some others, but I think you're right. Like well, it's it seems like well, the only thing that can get in their way is their own mentality and their own their own play. 
there's no team that has more talent, uh, raw talent on their team in the NBA. Where is he going to go? The Bucks? They're an old team. Where is he going to go? The Knicks? That team belongs to Jalen Brunson. You look at who surrounds Donovan Mitchell, and there's no one with more potential. Evan Mobley is a Kevin Garnett in, in, in hiding. He's got a cocoon around him, and as soon as he can break out his wings, uh, it's Kevin Garnett right there, okay? Uh, Isaac Okoro, I mean, the guy's a star. He's, he's, he's basically like Donovan Mitchell's Scottie Pippen, right? What he's capable of yeah. doing. Uh, other players are not capable of doing that on defense. And now he's also got a shot. Come on now. And then you talk about players like Darius Garland. If we can fit in Darius Garland into the equation and he's not, you know, the, the fifth man out, the fifth wheel out, then, you know, we got something serious. That's why I say when you look at it holistically, we've got the best talent in the NBA. The spot is right for him. We've got him under contract. Okay, he's got a nice house in the suburbs, this whole thing. Um, you know, big big fish in a little pond. It all works out. I think that we showed our potential over the last 20 games, okay? Yeah. The question is always, like you said, J.B. Bickerstaff, is he qualified? Well, I think the fact that he was down two players and we made a run with that and the, some of the sets that we've been running, there you typically run, you know, one set. He's running two, three sets in a single play. So I think that speaks to his improvement because he always used to yeah. say his first few yeah. years in the league, we're learning, we're learning. This is a learning experience. Well, I didn't want to hear that at the time, and I certainly don't want to hear that now. There shouldn't be learning experiences. He should be applying everything For he's sure. learned over the last For sure. three, four years. And so yeah. I think yeah. I think it's crutch time. We ha- If everyone stays healthy, I think we got it. I think we yeah. got it. All right, all right, hey, Malik. I apologize, man. I gotta let you go because we're up against it for a break. If you want to chime, if you want to call back in, please do when we get to the Valentine's Day topic because I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. But I do real quick before we go to break here, want to give you a little bit of breaking news, which is presented by BetQL. Bet smarter by downloading the BetQL app and use Ohio twenty five to get twenty five percent off your first month. And this breaking news does concern the Cavs, according to Sham Saranya. Cleveland Cavaliers are signing two-way guard Craig Porter Jr. to a new four-year contract, according to his agent. So there you go. Craig Porter Jr. here to be a, a long-term, a longer-term depth piece for the Cleveland Cavaliers moving forward. And as we sit here and talk about players who have added to this identity and the new sort of look Cavs that we have, Porter Jr. has been one of them. We'll see what his role continues to look like throughout the season. More of your calls. BP and Pepper Pike, I'm going to get to you when we get back. I promise you we'll continue the Cavs conversation. And I want to go back quickly to something that Malik said as well. So we, we got a lot of stuff to cover still coming up. We got Evan Damerl at 8. Keep it locked. The Spencer German with you on the fan. Cleveland sports scene can change in an instant. So follow each team in the Odyssey app to get all our audio pushed to your phone. Plus, check out the chapters of our live shows labeled by our producers so you can search for the segments you may have missed. Download the Odyssey app to follow the Cleveland sports scene. Uh, We will get Evan Damrell's thoughts on the Craig Porter Jr. uh, Not addition. He's already been on the team, but the... The extension for Craig Porter Jr. We'll see what he has to say about it. We'll get his thoughts on some other things related to the Cavs, including what we're talking about right now, which is just the idea that Cleveland, they don't deserve a clean slate come playoff time, but they deserve the benefit of the doubt because of the way that they've played of late, 
the fact that it's a different looking team and the fact that they seem to really be embracing trying a a, a new um this this sort of new style of offense that they're running and they're not just you know sticking to what they were doing last year and assuming it's going to get better I, I can commend them for that. And now, yeah, we have to see the payoff. But I'm not going to the playoffs or this home stretch of the season, if you will, thinking, uh, like like panicking because they lost last night or whatever, because we're going to find out. The playoffs will tell us all about J.B. Bickerstaff, about Donovan Mitchell. And one thing that Malik brought up, because he was talking, or Malik, whatever it was, I think it was Malik, because he responded to Malik. Um, one thing that he brought up was just how he believes Donovan Mitchell is going to be here long-term and he's going to sign no matter what. And I don't know that for sure, clearly. And I do think as Sham Sharanya said on the morning show last week, some of that will hinge on how far this team goes in the playoffs. Like all these questions that we're waiting for answers for. He wants to be somewhere where he, he, he can win. That, that was the bottom line from Shams last week. And so... I do believe, but but off of that, as soon as I heard Donovan Mitchell give the okay and the sign-off, I saw it at Cleveland.com. Chris Fudo wrote about it because he was out on the on the trip, right, the, the game right before the trade deadline, where Donovan said, I think we're good. We didn't even know the trade deadline was tomorrow because we've been so focused. We don't need to make any changes. As soon as I saw that, I knew they weren't going to make any trades because you're trying to do everything in your power to appease this guy to get him to stay, right? Well, if he's happy with the roster, if he signed off on it, if he wasn't pulling a LeBron at the trade deadline, pushing for XYZ move, I need more shooters, I need more this, I need more that, then he is going to be just as culpable in whatever happens in the playoffs than everybody. It's about convincing him that you're making progress. I think the Cavs are showing that. I think the Cavs are trying to, they're not staying stagnant. They're trying to go out and win. And if they can prove that, and if they can go further in the playoffs, they will convince him to stay. But I, I think it's it's telling that he's chiming in on those things and when he says stuff like that. And it's telling when the organization is listening to Donovan and when they're actually executing what they say they're going to execute. They're they're again, they're they're trying different things and they're trying to go about it a different way with, with some of the same personnel, yes, but that is the key to surviving in this league and, and winning in this league. You can't just stay the same. Because it gets old, it gets stagnant, it gets old, it, it gets uh, stale. I think that they deserve at least some trust. And on some level, we deserve to feel like this regular season has taught us something about this team before we just write them off and count them out before we get to the playoffs. Let's go to BP and Pepper Pike. What's up, BP? Hey, Spencer, how are you doing tonight? Good, man. I was waiting for your call because I knew you were talking Cavs here out of the gate. So I, I, I had a feeling you'd chime in and you had some thoughts. Yeah, and especially because I was at the game last night. You know, so, you know, it was very disappointing because, you know, when you go to a Cavs game, you want to go down there and see a win and celebrate. You know, you're usually expecting a win, especially when you saw, like, you know, the Sixers were missing Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. And, you know, I mean, they were missing about 50 points of, of scoring. So that was disappointing, but, you know, I'll give the Cavs a pass, you know, just because they, they've been on the road. You know, they beat Toronto on the road. They've had some good road wins. They beat Philly earlier in the year on the road, so I'll just give them a pass. You know, Philly just shot better than them, and sometimes that's just going to happen. You know, but it was disappointing. I'm not going to lie. 
So, but you know, like they're playing again the Bulls tomorrow night at home. They should win that game, and then everybody will forget about this game yesterday. You know, that's kind of how it goes in the NBA. You know, but you know, going back, it, like you said, the proof's going to be in the pudding come April and May when the playoffs start. I think if we can, I think think about the, what the Cavs have done. They went from being like twelve and thirteen a month and a half ago to you know the second best record in the East. So they've made a huge jump. And I love what they're at, you know, second seed in the East. That means they should be able to win their first round against, you know, Orlando or Indiana or somebody like that. And yeah, then once, and BPL, you know, I was going to say, too, like another reason why it feels like things are different this year is because last year's team probably falters when you lose Garland and, and, and Mobley for as long as they did. And this team didn't. Like, you want, you want evidence that they aren't they, – they're, they're mentally tough – and that they're going to battle and they're going to fight. Like, that is the prime example of that. They they didn't falter. They didn't just curl up in a ball and and go hide. When those two guys went down, they found a way. And that's what really spurned this this uh, streak that they've obviously been on up until last night. So, um, yeah, like, I'm willing to accept that things are different this year and, and not just assume their demise in the first round or something like that. Um, because I, I think that they are trying things differently. And I, that that's the most important thing to me. Yeah, and I agree with the caller previous that I believe Donovan Mitchell will be happy here and want and will re-sign here. I think he sees a winning team, a great organization. You know, like when they went to Paris, I mean, they really bonded. And, you know, and, and you can see he's the leader of the team, but everybody gets along. Everybody respects each other. They know their role. I think, in fact, I think like the team is almost like, you know, they, they stagger their minutes now. So, you know, they, they have the starting lineup. But then Donovan Mitchell is out there with Jared Allen. That's like Group A. And then Group B is Darius Garland is usually out there with Mobley. You know, and it's like yeah. they kind of like are in tandems. And I like that because this way they stagger their minutes and they're all going to get their numbers. And I think it, it leads to like a lot of happy campers and a lot of wins. Yeah. I, BP, I, I appreciate the call as always, man. You're, you, you always bring some good perspective to the Cavs because I know you follow them very closely. And – I think the best way to sum a lot of this up is just adapt or die. The Cavs knew that they had to adapt or die, whether it was trying to keep Donovan Mitchell and you die on that, whether it was J.B. Pickerstaff, he knew he had to adapt or die, and he deserves – I want to give him credit because when you lose two key players like they did, I always say one of the most important ways to tell if a coach has the locker room and people are buying in to the message is what they do when they're faced with some real adversity. I said it with Kevin Stefanski at the end of the 2022 season. This year, you saw the proof was in the pudding. They were bought in to his message. I think there's something to be said for you lose Mobile, you you lose Garland, and that team stays afloat. So he's doing something right in that regard. That doesn't mean he'll be here long-term. I'm not saying give him a contract extension, but I'm saying, yeah, like he deserves to see this thing through now because – he kept it afloat during that stretch of the season where we all thought the season was basically over. Let's go to Cyril. He's up next in the fan. What's up, Cyril? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. What's up? You got you got three. You only have three guards that can basically create. You got Garland, you got Levert, and you have Donovan. Your big man can't handle the ball. They can't create. And if you if if you don't have like Mobley, who has an outside shot or anything like that then they get the big guys are going to get in each other's way. You don't have you don't have as much athleticism also on this Cavaliers team. And I love the Cavs, don't get me wrong, but I'm looking at the long run. You got to have some you got to have some uh, if Mobley's going to be on the court, he's got to have have that shot. 
you got to have that guy being able to shoot. The Cavs' biggest problem is they always needed a small forward that can basically play on both ends of the court. And until they answer those questions, they're always going to be a puzzle. I want to push back a little bit on one thing you said because I do think Max Struess is always kind of in attack. Maybe not always because he knows he has a role on this team. But I think Mm -hmm. Max Struess is a guy who can hit threes and he's going to take it to the rim. Like, he's not just going to back down. I also think Evan Mobley is trying more of that. Like, I think he's trying to get out of his own head when it comes to taking shots. I also think Jared Allen has flashed some really good things in terms of not being hesitant and attacking. Uh, He obviously is your your main uh, rim sort of scorer. Like, that's where he kind of operates most. But I've been impressed with his game as well. So I don't know if it all just boils down to, you know, they don't have enough of 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 guys who can create their own shot and do different things. Like I think they have a lot of different skill sets, which which is good. It diversifies them. But to your point, like, am I sitting here saying that I think they're gonna beat the Boston Celtics? No, because the Celtics have the like two of the things that you covet the most in the sport, which are uh wings that can shoot, that can score, that are tall and length lengthy and can can basically do it all. That's been the things the, the thing the Cavs have been missing for several years now, and they still don't really have it. They tried to kind of put a bandit on it with Max Struess, but he's not the the peak of those types, that type of player, that the prototype of that player. So you're, I, co- you're correct. You're definitely correct, and that's what I was saying. Those wings, man, in the NBA is very, very important that they can play on both ends. Yeah, I, and listen, that's why I think the Celtics are a challenge. That's why I think if you got a first-round matchup with the Sixers, because the, depending on where the Sixers end up without Embiid, that would be scary because then you got Tyrese Maxey and you got Buddy Heald now in there, who I guess uh, Buddy Heald isn't um, – oh, how tall is Buddy Heald? i got to look this up now. I'm like trying six, to – 6'4". Four. Six, four. Okay, so yeah, he's a little bit of a taller a, a taller wing as well. Like he, Those are the prototypical kind of guys that, uh, that, that, you, that, that will be a matchup challenge for Cleveland – but I'm willing to give them a chance to at least get there before I just write them off. I wanted the Cavs go after Dinwiddie. They definitely could have used him. He's good. Yeah. I think, I he, think he signed with the Lakers. He did sign with the Lakers. Yeah, he did. I, that, that's a good thought, though. I actually thought they'd go after Joe Harris, which I don't know if Joe Harris is signed. Just to have right. more shooting. But I also feel like J.B. Pickerstaff's been pretty adamant that he doesn't even really like having like 10 guys in the rotation like he does right now. He only right. likes eight. So I don't know if they want to add more guys for J.B. Bickerstaff to sort of have to deal with, but yeah. Nice talking to you. Yeah, you too, Sarah. Appreciate it, man. Let's uh, We'll squeeze in one more here before the break. Uh, Sam, real quick, man. You got about 30 seconds. What you got? I'll make it real quick. I don't know if it's a, a concern, but it is something that's to be watched out. The Cavs, I know the NBA is what it is, but the Cavs are 26 in free throw attempts. And I'll tell you what, even when they're at home, they got to be more aggressive and get to the line more. There's no way they need to be out free throw by a visiting team and one more thing about donovan mitchell come on even jason lloyd said everyone know what the trade deadline is donovan mitchell is professional he's not above the team not a jackass like lebron where he has to make everything about himself so no matter what uh, donovan mitchell says he's a company professional guy um that's how i take how Mm. he talks i don't take it as in he feels they got everything that they need even if they needed more i don't think donovan mitchell would go after the front office at all that's a fair point Sam that's a fair point he has done everything the right way he has taken the right approach that professional sort of mindset and attitude to things so I will give you that he uh he, he isn't going to be the guy pushing back against the front office the way LeBron did it was different for LeBron because he was such a, a superstar player um and and the best in the NBA but um 
yeah, I, I can see where you're saying what you're saying with that. Um, and and yeah, like the 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 Cavs certainly have to still prove some things, but I'm willing to at least accept that they're trying. The, the free throw thing was interesting that he just brought up that they're they're 26th and and uh, free throws attempted. Now you wonder if that's like a they're just not getting the calls thing, or if that's like a, they're not attacking enough thing. Probably a little bit of both, but that 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 can be key in the playoffs. Got to attack the rim. Looking at you, Evan Mobley. Looking at you, Jared Allen, among others. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, Evan Damerill joins us on the show. We'll pick his brain on all things Cleveland Cavaliers, including the Craig Porter Jr. extension. Coming your way next, we talk to Evan Damerill locked on Cavs here on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. 